This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, the home of the Housewives, with every episode and every season of The Real Housewives available to stream or download. You can head over to heyyou.com and get yourself a free trial. And after that, it is only $5.99 a month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. Plus, there is no commitment. You can cancel any time. I know January is duvet day time. You might want to take one of those for yourself just to get, you know, into the swing of things in the new year. Don't worry. Hey You has you covered. On Mondays, you will get new episodes of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Thursdays, the OGs of the OC, Real Housewives of Orange County, is back. And on Fridays, we will turn the heat up even in January with the return of The Real Housewives of Miami. That is a really stellar lineup of our faves. I think we have plenty to look forward to, even in January. That is the power of Heyu. So head over to heyu.com now and try it out for free. Hello and welcome to Housewives and Me, a podcast about why we love The Real Housewives. I'm your host, Connor Bean, and welcome back for another brand new episode with another returning fave who was last year on the show's 25th episode. So it's been a while. I'm very excited that Brennan Carley is back with us today. He's now working on the new publication, Service 95, and he's still got tons of freelance stuff on the go. But he made time to chat all things Housewives with me today, which I'm very excited about. Spent a lot of time chatting about OC, actually, which is good. Got into Miami. This is really a... T- oh, and... Oh, I forgot. We talked about Kyle Richards as well. We covered lots of great ground because obviously Brennan is a true Housewives stan. So I'm excited for you to hear this one. So here he is. It's Brennan Carley back once again on Housewives and Me. My guest today is a US editor at the soon-to-be-launched publication Service 95 and has written for Vulture, Elle, The New York Times and many, many more and was the guest for the 25th episode of this very podcast and is back to give us an update on all manner of things Housewives. Brennan Carley, welcome back to Housewives and Me. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to talk about the last year. We've shows to discuss, but I do want to just touch on Usually, obviously, with the guest who's never been on before, I'd ask where they got into Housewives. We have had that conversation before, but I am curious how you feel about the franchise in general at the moment, because it does feel like we're kind of in a hot streak, but I'm curious where, where you lie at the moment. You know, it's really interesting. I have never dipped out of a Housewives before. Once I've started watching, I've pretty much stuck with it all the way through. Um... But it does feel like a golden age for it. And I think for me, the sort of empirical evidence that we're in the golden age of housewives is my partner, Nolan, who you know, obviously, Mm -hmm. um, was never a housewives person before. And I even tried in quarantine the first year of the pandemic to to get him into it. Mm -hmm. We did a Beverly Hills rewatch and he was sort of flit in and out and was, you know, loosely interested. I think the Beverly Hills gals are of interest to him. Um, but was not quite clicking in. I will tell you, it is now appointment television for him. He is watching it as if he has always been a lifelong Housewives fan. He needs to sit down to watch Salt Lake City live. It has to be the day of. He is very invested um, in the OC drama right now. He is a Potomac person. Um, Haven't gotten him on Atlanta or New York yet, but like slow. Oh, Miami is the big one for him. He is Mm -hmm. like, it is Thursday. It is on Peacock streaming. (laughs) We are sitting down and watching Miami because I cannot have it spoiled for me. Um, So for me, my barometer is always housewives are great, no matter if it's an upswing or a downswing. 
I think more largely, it's sort of fascinating to watch someone who really was repulsed by the idea of it and was like, this is a you thing. <laughs> Completely subscribe to it now. I mean, I'm happy for you from a household point of view. I'm thrilled for me because <laughs> now I can ask Nolan to come on the podcast. Yes. And I'm also just interested because like... It is, I mean, this has been a huge part of this podcast is people having their housewives viewing habits or journeys begin in the last year and a half, two years. I mean, it is funny. Like once people are in, they're in. It's like the mob. <laughs> Completely. And I had tried. I really had tried. We've been together eight years now this year. And I have tried so many times, whether it was getting him to watch an episode or telling him about some of the drama because I thought, oh, maybe this will be the hook that brings yeah. him into the franchise. And he would sort of entertain it because he's a, you know, a good partner and wouldn't shoot <laughs> me down, but was never like, great, I'm going to sit down and watch that with you. It sounds so interesting. And then I think just somewhere along the way, I would have it on on the TV in the background over the past six months, year or whatever. I, I sort of stopped watching on my laptop um, because mm -hmm. I started watching live. I don't, I don't know. I just, the experience of watching it on the TV just felt realer for whatever reason. Um, and I think having it in the background really changed things because he would sort of drift over and be like what's happening here um and it hooked him it worked and um, let's just get into the shows we've so much to discuss with shows airing shows that haven't or shows that aren't on air right now that i want to talk to you about but let's dive into salt lake city because it's in the middle of well i guess near the tail end of this huge second season and I, since we last spoke so much has changed about salt lake city i'm curious how you feel about season two, particularly because you're watching with someone who's maybe newer to it as well. Yeah. Season one, I thought was great. It was such a good first season for Housewives. And, you know, I think as we know, season one of Housewives can often be hit or miss. It can be a lot of finding your footing. It can be figuring out who the cast is and who you care about and what alliances are and where your allegiances lie as a viewer. But I felt like season one clicked in a way that a lot of the other franchises didn't. Season two just feels like I don't know, it's such an evolution of season one. I am obsessed. I love it. It's it's not my favorite franchise on right now, but it's probably second. I'm captivated by their solo stories. I am captivated by the group scenes. I guess my biggest wish for this season of Salt Lake City, and I know some of it obviously was a pandemic film as all of them are right now, is I wish there was a little bit more of the group scene stuff because when they do meet up, whether it's at the the Jenny Peace Garden dinner or the cast trip that they're on right now, it just, it takes it to such a different level. It feels so electric when they are forced to be in the same room together. Like you really feel the absence of some of the characters when they skip out on the vans, for instance. Yeah. I'm like, this is your job. You, you show up, get in the van. Like it, you can't, you can't excuse yourself because you don't feel comfortable with someone there. That's not how the show works. When they are all together, I feel like it clicks in a way that a lot of the other shows haven't in a while yeah and it's funny because like we've been getting the episodes you know this more recent cast trip where like Meredith is just is saying things like well I just don't want to be here and I'm like you know what you're either on the show or you're not like I understand I do think sometimes logistically someone might have family stuff on or they hop on a plane like I don't mind at the odd time but when they all start trying to like puff up their chests and go well I'm not gonna get on that trip it's like well then you're not gonna be on the show so like which is it like you kind of have to pick a, a side you know yeah, that's how I feel. My real, I guess, bummer about season two is I was such a Meredith stan in season one because she was so yeah, same aloof and ridiculous and expensive and the Seth drama was interesting and Brooks obviously is such a fascinating character and the whole family is just like Xanaxed to the moon and hearing them all with the same <laughs> yeah. cadence of speech, even, you know, when Chloe shows up for like five seconds a season and you're like, oh, it's the same. They all speak exactly the same way. So monotone. Yeah, it's so funny, particularly for me, like 
it's a kind of American accent I would never encounter like in my day to day. Connor, it's a, it's an American accent I have never encountered in my day to day. So you're not in the bodega and someone's like, I will have a meatball sandwich. Thank no, you. Absolutely not. Um, so I loved your season one. I just thought she was fascinating. And this yeah. year it's it's I, I will say she's coming alive a little bit in the cash trip because they have put her feet mm-hmm. in the fire. And I appreciate seeing her like that. And it's nice to know that she still has the spark in her. And at the same time, it's bad to know that she hasn't activated that spark all season. If you had it there the whole time, what are we doing? It's fun. I would say the I would like Jen to not be invited to events I am invited to shtick was fun for maybe two episodes. Like, I don't mind that as a short arc. Stop inviting Jen to where I'm going is kind of a fun little conflict. It can't be your story because you all work together. That's not how it goes. I also just find it so funny when Meredith will say things like, John Worling needs a friend right now. It can't be me, but she <laughs> does need our support. And I'm like, what are you? It's like, what? Like, what is actually going on? I just think that it's a lot of stuff that isn't being said on camera seems to be going down. Either personal life drama they won't get into, or just the, you know, with all the housewives shit, like the the dynamics maybe to do with filming or who's more famous now seems to be the sort of elephant in the room a lot of the time and it comes out in very strange ways. Very much so. It's going to be interesting seeing what happens with the season three of this because I feel like I didn't know where the Jenny stuff was going this season and I think the first half she had sort of a rocky integration because she was so new to the group and there was so much big stuff going on that predated her but I feel like she's finally sort of sinking her teeth into it and I I love Lisa Barlow season two I think she's such a dynamic housewife she's so interesting she's in the middle of it with literally every cast member there's not (laughs) one person on the cast that she does not have some sort of dispute with I'm just laughing because I I still think it's so funny when they're on the bus and her and Jenna in that fight and she starts going I'm shutting down I'm shutting down (laughs) like like she has to tell them she's going into like a fugue state or whatever by the way (laughs) producer of the year award for that poor woman on that bus it was her and five women and two of them were or something was her name or Shanae Shanae I always think of Shanae Grimes um I was like, God, that woman really deserves a pay rise for like wading into that argument. I'd be like, you know, I might just walk on the freeway from here. I'll see you guys at the villa. I think part of me kind of wants the van driver to get the sort of chair, the extra chair at the reunion. Like, truly, (laughs) if we're not going to get married, please, can we at least get him? Can we please get him bartending on Watch What Happens Live? Because I know there are questions that we want to ask him. And it like he was the driver of that trip and of the first trip. He was there for both. Put him in Watch What Happens Live. I would like the director's cut of the van ride from the (laughs) vacation house with just Mary to the, what was it? The prayer circle that they were all doing in the desert. Just just the Mary cut, because I'm sure that was an interesting van ride. And I would like to see what they talked about. Even when Mary arrived to the group ship late in a recent episode and they're getting on, and it may have just been a dubbed in piece of audio, but I don't know why it made me laugh so much. And Mary, it was like, here we are, Mary. Oh, (laughs) like them arriving like into that weird villa. I was like, oh God, it's, it's really delivering both these big storylines, but it has this kind of kooky, you couldn't write it kind of interactions that they seem to actually have with each other that, I think are what we actually are drawn to really when we talk about housewives. Completely. I think the thing that really is succeeding about Salt Lake City for me in the way that other cities are failing to do is though there are certain members of the cast who do feel like they were just plucked in at random, 
it mostly feels like women who know and enjoy each other and knew and enjoyed each other before the show. I know that's mm-hmm. not entirely true, but I think the sort of dynamic that they have formed reads as if they are a pre-existing friend group with all this drama and history. So yeah, the Jen Shaw stuff, fascinating. And I, I love to watch it. I think it's so interesting. It is obviously driving a lot of the story this season, but you're right. I think the interpersonal stuff is what I really connect to the most. And I think that's what's really succeeding in the second season. And I'm interested to see what happens in a third season ostensibly without Mary because we all know she didn't go to the reunion and that sort of is the kiss of death. I don't think anyone has ever willingly skipped it and come back from it unless they have been in treatment um, and clearly not the case for Mary. Um, So it'll be interesting to see because she like her or hate her. And I think I'm sort of on the hate her fence because she has said some really deeply awful racist stuff this season that I wish some of the women had called out a little bit more, but she did drive a lot of the storyline. You kind of can't deny that. So it will be interesting to see who they slot into that uh, that role in the third season. Obviously, well, we, we will talk about Miami in a moment, but I do want to get into OC being back because I just think mm. its return has been so interesting because in one way I'm like, oh, it's back. It's a return to form. And I also feel like they're actually laying a lot of like track for like, the tail end of the season and even probably the next season as well. Yes, I assume you saw, you know, by the time this comes out, it will have been in the world for a while, but the mid-season trailer that came out yesterday. Yes. Mm -hmm. I think it's pretty promising. I will say I didn't walk away from it blown away, but I did walk away from it quite eager to see what comes next. It doesn't Mm -hmm. seem like they're, you know, OC is not one for a knockdown fight or anything like that, but it does seem like there's a lot of really interesting stuff that comes up in the back half of the season. And for one thing... I am loving the cast shakeup this year. Mm -hmm. I don't think they're all necessarily succeeding as standalone housewives. I think that's a conversation worth getting into. But I will say in terms of the dynamics of the group, I am really excited about the way everyone is performing right now. I love as well, like, I mean, some people are being a bit like, oh, Noelle is annoying. And I'm like, yeah, kind of. But also we need at least one person at that level of wildness on the shows. Like you need someone who's that, volatile and kind of fascinating i think yes you know i have an interesting sort of story about the noella of it all and i'm by no means going to take any credit for it because you know the bravo producers are so talented and have i'm sure been in constant discussions with her before my story begins but the last time we spoke i was coming off of the heels of reporting my bronwyn story um which was sort of like a profile of her but also more largely a feature about housewives and the way that it had changed because it was the 15 year anniversary at that point. And, you know, like her or hate her. And I think a lot of people fell on one side. Um, (laughs) I do think she represented a lot of the struggle within housewives itself about what it was and what it wanted to be and what it didn't want to be. I think, you know, it's a lot to put that on one person, but I do feel like she encompassed a lot of those threads um so as part of that story and we may well have talked about this too but i interviewed noella um as as a secondary so the people i interviewed for secondaries were noella and thomas kelly who's the exec producer of the show who also thereafter went on to do selling tampa by the Mm -hmm. way which if you haven't seen is a delight um and so i interviewed noella first and she and i zoomed and she zoomed from her puerto rico mansion's pool so (gasps) They, they had just bought the house. James mm-hmm. was there. He was in the background. <gasps> oh. um, 
obviously I didn't know anything about anything at the time and nothing had blown up the way that it did. And I, I think I had maybe asked for 10 or 15 minutes because she was a non-famous person at that point and just was sort of like a character witness. I like talking to people as, uh, tell me more about Bronwyn that we might not know on TV. You know, you're her friend off camera. I would like to know what we're not seeing and what you think mm-hmm. people need to care about. Uh, we ended up talking for like 45 minutes. She was in a bikini in the pool the entire time, just on her cell phone, like holding it above her head. I thought she was fabulous. I walked away with such a strong impression of her. I was like, this woman is rich. She is opulent. She is giving you the lifestyle that Beverly Hills wants to give you. Mm. But in the OC, I think maybe a week later is when I interviewed Thomas, the producer. And at the, you know, they're very good at their jobs because he turned the interview around on me almost the entire hour and was like, well, what do you think about this? And what are you thinking? What do you like about OC? He was doing market research. (laughs) Completely, because why wouldn't you? And at the end of the interview, he was like, so you interviewed Noella, right? Because we had, I mentioned it and I said, yes. And he was like, what did you think of her? You know, we've actually talked to her about doing the show a couple of times and we're just, you know, we're, we're not sure. Like we're not really sold. We came close, but we were not there. And I was like, I think you should revisit her because her life seems, uh, and this is really funny now in retrospect, <laughs> I said, aspirational. <laughs> And I just said, I had never met her before. She was a non-famous person. And I walked away being like, that's a celebrity. That is a, that is someone who exudes star power, whether you like it or you don't like it. That's someone who has a big personality and a lot of energy. And I just was like, I think you should revisit her. I think you should interview her again, whether you keep Bronwyn or not. Like, I think she'd be a really good addition to the show. And he was like, that's interesting. You know, we had not planned on going back to her because it didn't work out last time, but like, maybe I'll reopen the file. And then... <gasps> Three or four months later, they announced her as a cast member, so... Oh my god, I mean, I feel that you definitely probably nudged them to reconsider. Like, I mean, as you say, they had to consider her. It wasn't like you found Noella, but like, you certainly... That does sound like you may have... Again, not not to pat myself on the back, but at at the absolute most, I think I, I might have... I might have encouraged him to reopen her file, maybe. Because I walked away with a really positive strong impression of her and i have to say i am liking her on the show this season you know former guest of your show my beloved friend anna peel and i Mm -hmm. were having a conversation about the sort of bronwyn effect of what's happening on oc right now she's obviously been mentioned a number of times noella was her friend first dr nicole was also her friend no doctor what's her name is it dr nicole dr jen Dr. Jen, I mixed up yes, the you're Nicole thinking of this yeah. friend of, yeah. Dr. Jen, also a friend. And though Bronwyn obviously was no longer a good fit for the show, I, I don't disagree with the reasoning there. I do think she kicked the door open for a certain level of sort of drama-filled, soapy, housewives, yeah. catty stuff that had been missing from it for a few years. It got really dark with the Kelly Dodd years and it was focused on some pretty awful racial stuff and some body shaming and you know like Bronwyn or not I do think she made it more about like uh making up lies and rumors about each other and kicked open the soapiness of it again and I think reactivated what people fell in love with OC about even if she was not performing it the way that people wanted it to be performed Mm -hmm. and I do think she sort of paved the way for people like Nicole who friend of or not is a hot mess and a delight on the show this season. And even if she leaves halfway through, as I think we all know she does. Same with Noella. She kicked the door open for her to come in and be messy and ruffle feathers and make up, you know, nonsense about people or refer to off-camera allegations. So I think, like, 
love her or hate her, Bronwyn, I think maybe did change the way that OC was going its course for the better, even if she's no longer there. But it's funny because I think what you're pointing to is sort of the strength of Housewives, but also why actually as much as I'm excited for them to diversify and shift the kind of people that they feature on the shows, it's why it's not as simple as just dropping someone in that actually they have to kind of go through, find one person and then find their network. And then within that network, find another person and that kind of, and how actually, even though it's a hyper edited reality show, we watch once a week, the shows actually are very slow burn in that it's like, well, we'll give you a season with this person and another season they're not so great, but then that leads to these people who know them coming in and there they're great. Like Exactly. It, it's fascinating to think that it's a, a real domino effect. Completely. And, you know, I think the one thing that is not working about Noella this season is to no fault of her own, which is she does feel like the odd woman out. She does not have a lot of existing relationships with these people. But, I, you know, I, you kind of can't blame her for that. They, they yeah. cast her and that just is the way of it. And I think it, it sort of shows when, you know, two episodes in, she's divorcing her husband all of a sudden and it is, is turning to this group of women out of necessity for sympathy and support. And it's like, yeah, of course they'll be there for you because, you know, even if you start a new job and something traumatic happens, your coworkers will feel sympathy as human beings. But it does feel, you know, when Gina is giving her soft pats on the back or Emily is throwing the flowers <laughs> oh away. Oh my God, what happened? He divorced you? Oh, oh God, it's so, so sorry. So it does sorry. feel a little contrived only because you're like, oh, you just met. Like, this yes. is this must be uncomfortable for all parties involved. But again, you kind of can't fault her for that. And it's, it's, I like the drama she's bringing. I do think as well, like some people are like, oh, the divorce, it's all a bit mad. And I'm like, yeah, it is. But I do think it's probably more real than we're giving her credit for only because the way it was actually covered. And I mean, covered in terms of how they shot it on the show suggests that it was happening on the fly. And they're like, you need to hop on FaceTime with her and, and talk about it on camera. Because obviously if they had any inkling that the marriage was in trouble, they would have had cameras in her home. Like a lot of the stuff we're seeing properly filmed is the aftermath because obviously this the timing of it in a way is perfect for being on the show because your life implodes as you join a show it's inevitably going to come up but also the way it's been filmed makes me think they're kind of trying to catch up with it exploding whereas there's in other storylines where maybe because it's people who've been on the show longer they're more placed to actually film it with this i'm like they didn't know they had obviously no idea that this was i mean it sounds like she truly had no idea either Completely. And you know, the sort of situation that it reminds me of in a way, though, it's not a direct parallel, is it's sort of given me Kelsey Grammer and Camille from yeah. season one of Beverly mm-hmm. Hills in that if I had to guess based on everything I have read and seen about the Bergners and what I know about Sweet James and the tax liens against him and sort of their weird sex dungeon life and the sort of performative, we're young, cool, hip, and we have a lot of sex of it all is like maybe he was setting her up to have something in his absence. Like he knew the tax liens were coming against him. That's not a secret. It was always going to come out. Uh, The Puerto Rico of it all feels oddly timed that he had an escape to a place where maybe, you know, an easier divorce can Mm. be had. It sort of felt like, again, it's not a direct parallel, but I just am seeing a lot of, well, you here's something for you. Like, I know I'm going to leave you. I know this doesn't end well for us, but like, here's something yeah that's <laughs> here's a little true. lift and that's the, that. that's that's the that's the takeaway i'm getting because if he's divorcing her what is it two weeks into filming three weeks into filming he knew 
ahead of time. There's, there's no way that you flip on a dime like that unless you're a sociopath. And just, it's, it's, it feels to me like he was like, we'll set you up on the show. I will pay for the house. I, you know, I, keep me out of the picture though. And you have yeah. to know. I mean, the, I mean, we'll move on from OC in a moment, but I do want to just, obviously Noella was friends at Bronwyn and sounds like Dr. Jen was on some level. And they've both been a bit shady about Bronwyn since. And it seems clear that they're not friends with her anymore. Do you know anything about what's gone on there? Is there anything in the ether about what happened? Or is it just that thing of, you know, everyone's kind of like, oh, Bronwyn got too into being famous and we got sick of her. I would say, here's my take on it from what I understand and what I know. My takeaway is Bronwyn blew up very quickly, mm-hmm. like her, hate her, very polarizing, but a lot of people in Housewives world knew who she was and were paying attention and had strong opinions about her. And that translated to uh, press and attention and appearances. And when that was all taken away from her and when that same opportunity was given to two of her close friends, I think it can be really easy to lose sight of the friendship in favor of what you are lacking all of a sudden. And I think that's what happened there is the two gals got on the show. uh, She was removed from the show. She felt maybe like she'd given them a lift up or Mm -hmm. a connection to the show. And now that she was no longer a part of it, felt like she was uh, got the short end of the stick and it's tough. You know, I, I, I went back and rewatched that interview that I did on zoom with Noella recently because I was interested and she had truly nothing but kind and glowing things to say about her and really effusive praise like, and, and, and meaningful stuff. It wasn't just like, she's a beautiful soul. She's so kind. <laughs> I mean, she had real action items. Like, you know, these are the marches that she has been to. These are the conversations specifically we've had about race in Orange County. This is a woman that I can turn to where I can feel like I'm not having to hide myself or censor myself or be um, closeted about sort of my bisexuality because she accepts me for who I am. You know, very real stuff. And mm. Bronwyn, for her flaws, I think, did do a lot of, change for the better about um what what we think of as the typical orange county woman but i i do think yeah i think ultimately the fame got to her head when you're calling the paparazzi on yourself which she claimed to me several times she didn't do but i'm sorry tmz is not showing up on the beach in miami to videotape you after you got fired from housewives it's just it's not it's not happening When, when that when we get to that stage and when your very good friends are now on the show that you are no longer on that got you that fame in the first place i i totally understand the sort of spiral out that happens thereafter yeah for sure okay and he- before we finish and i'll see heather yay nay villain not villain hard yay but also uh villain yeah, yeah i think yeah. yay and the villain i think yeah. um, yay she's it- the villain <laughs> <laughs> i think i think uh orange county always thrives on having every season one woman take the brunt of the shit. I think mm-hmm. having that villain role is really important. I have actually Nolan and I, as part of our sort of deep dive back into housewives and him sort of learning to appreciate them. We started watching again from Heather's first season and then skipped ahead. Actually, we watched that season and then skipped ahead to Shannon's first season because that's sort of, to me is where it all catalyzed. It got interesting and where Heather really emerged as villain for the first time. Uh, she was like team player those first few seasons, but that was the, if you remember the Shannon season is when she started getting called fancy pants by Tamara and Vicky. And when she obviously and Shannon had the deep rift in their friendship immediately and kicked her out of the house. 
And so it was nice to go back in time and remember like, yes, all these years removed, I think we were really excited to have this rich aspirational woman come back to Orange County and quote unquote, save it. Though I think no one woman can save housewives. But I think it was easy to lose sight of the fact that like she was kind of a villain before, um, but a villain in a good way because then we got the Kelly Dodd villain years and it's like, oh, we don't want a villain on this show because yeah. it was one, one type of <laughs> villainous behavior that was despicable and racist and awful. Heather was like a good villain. She was a soap villain. She was um, cold and she was campy and some of her lines felt a little rehearsed, but in a way that you kind of loved to just gobble them up. And we're seeing it again this season with the, if you ever come after <laughs> me and my family again, it, it very much was like, he and Terry have clearly been running lines because the you're, you're Nicole James. You sued me. I'm like, you guys have rehearsed these. It's very fun. I like watching it. Um, yeah. So hard, hard. Yay. I don't think she, is saving the franchise necessarily, but I do think the lightness that she's bringing is fun. I do think the villainous behavior she's bringing is fun. We need someone like her to be a lightning rod on the show. Yeah. It's also just fun watching the group orbit around different personalities, including an alpha. Like it just, I think they were smart to bring back an established, you know, established kind of cast member people who were interested in and want to see back and new people. Yes. Because do you know what I will will say, and I feel like I keep going, we'll finish my OC, but like there's actually so much in it I want to talk about. Like there's definitely stuff about Noella that's a bit away with the fairies up in the clouds, you know, a little bit <laughs> erratic because she's going through something. But I really think, and I know this in some back and forth in social media where Heather's like, you're making stuff up. And I don't doubt that Noella is probably exaggerating, but I think at its core, Noella has clocked the kind of person Heather is and she has her even in the mid-season trailer when she just says aside, as an aside I'm surprised you even know what thirsty means I was like <laughs> she just has her number in a way that like that immediately and to be fair first season on show you're going through a crazy divorce and you go toe-to-toe with like an established like celebrity figure on the show like that is kind of like that's fascinating whether you like the people involved or not it is very entertaining you're so right. What what she has done to the show is completely changed the pecking order. I think Shannon probably yeah, came into the season before <laughs> Heather was cast and thought Shannon was going to be the queen bee because no Vicky, no Tamara, no Kelly, no Bronwyn, like all those big personalities gone, gone. And Shannon is the longest standing cast member. I think she probably thought she was going to have a very different season until Heather's casting was announced. Mm-hmm. Um and as we saw, she backed down immediately after trying to go toe-to-toe with her and fled to Nashville. Like, we haven't seen her and Heather <laughs> in the same room together in a while. Uh, and so, yeah, I think one thing I do appreciate about Noella is she's going toe-to-toe with the boss. And it's she's not backing down, which I appreciate. So let's get into the show that... I know you're obsessed with, I think I have been telling people, just start this brand new season, just dive straight in, there's flashbacks galore, you'll be fine, of course, we're talking about Real Housewives of Miami, I know you're a big fan of this return, talk to me about what is uh, standing out for you and why you enjoy it. I watched all three original Miami seasons, I liked them quite a bit, I thought... Uh, Some of them were better than others. I am not a huge fan of Joanna necessarily, but appreciate Mm -hmm. what she brought to the show. Plus also the, (laughs) all of the watch what happens live and lawsuit after effects of the Joanna ripple. Joanna Krupa, who was on the original run, had a a lawsuit with Brandy Glanville. It's not back in this iteration, but was a big part of the kind of the early days of the show's success. 
Yes. She, I will say she made those latter two seasons feel like a housewives show. Mm -hmm. She brought the conflict and the drama in the way that I think the first season was lacking a little bit of because the first season was not filmed as a housewives show, as I think most of us know. Uh, But I'm not missing her presence this season at all because the cast that they have right now is locked in and delivering. Um, There is no surprise to anyone who's watching it. There is one woman who is pulling away from the rest of the pack who is delivering enough storyline that she could fill 10 seasons of a housewives on her own in, in these, you know, 15 short episodes or whatever it is. And that is Alexia who was one of the OGs and is just Connor. I think the reason I love Miami right now is because of her primarily. I like pretty much everything that everyone is bringing. I think if I, in a dream world, I would swap Larsa and Lisa from Marisol and Adriana make those two friends and make yeah, Marisol and Adriana yeah. full-time. I find them much more compelling. I find them interesting. I feel like they're delivering in group and single scenes in a way that those other two ladies are not. Lisa has like barely been on this season. It's kind of shocking that she was given a, what do they hold a mojito? I don't know. What they <laughs> no, they don't hold anything now. I don't think, I mean, <laughs> I was wondering what Lisa is it purely because of the lavishness with which mm. her life seems to unfold that they are, re- they are really pinning this sh- particular season and this reboot, I suppose on the, Properly Wealth. porn elements and also, and I I want to say this delicately because I have no issue with people doing whatever, but like <laughs> these women are very done. There's a lot of surgery. Mm. There's a lot of judging going on, which I don't like, I don't, I'm not mad at it at all, but I'm wondering if they're kind of going with flashy plastic surgery babes and their lavish homes. Do you need to have the wife of a plastic surgeon as lead character? I, I'm wondering, is that kind of the... I don't know. I, that was just, even I have a wonder, because in a way I'm a bit like, I don't quite know what this person's arc is. Although it does seem in the back half of this season, she's going to be more of a player. Yes, totally. Which I appreciate because I I always liked her in the original run. I liked the way that she played with the other women. The dynamic was always interesting with her. And I even liked her storyline with Lenny, though it sort of seems like they abandoned it this season. We got like one episode of her being like, yeah, he had an emotional affair and that was really sad. And then it's like, she has just... <laughs> For me, faded sort of into the background every other episode, except for paying for most recently this fifty thousand dollar a night hotel suite. Which, <laughs> by like, the way, my fetish is these women. I was like, what are you talking about? Okay, sorry. Definition of fetish. Definition of fetish incorrect, but yes. we'll give her a we'll give her a pass. Um, we've actually Nolan and I. One of our favorite places to go, my partner and I, is Miami because we live in New York and it gets real cold here six months out of the year and is a delightful escape it's like a two and a half hour flight it's very easy to get to um just for some sunlight so we are i think part of the reason he is very on board miami this season or was excited to come on board is because he knows the city and we've spent many 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 hours and days there um the hotel that they had this fifty thousand dollar penthouse in uh is the location of our favorite restaurant in the city so we both screamed <gasps> a little bit when that came on oh we, we've never we've never stayed there because we simply can't afford it on a journalist salary not even the non fifty thousand dollar a night rooms yeah. um but it was exciting i was like okay they're going to real places that yeah. i have been to i always love that feeling yeah for sure no it has actually it's funny you say that because i do think just as a an outsider to the u.s in general it does have a sense of place which i really like yes. on a housewife show and i like the new additions like they've got you know someone like uh nicole actually that's dr nicole that's why we said dr. that's nicole, dr right nicole here. yes like she's a great point of view character who's clearly had a very 
tough upbringing and has really made something herself. She has like this kind of likable dorky partner and she's like a bit more normal. Then you have someone like Julia who's a bit eccentric is bringing Martina into the mix. Like it's just a fun mix of, of personalities. Although I do agree with you, like and having never watched Miami before this season, I sort of assumed Marisol and Adriana will be full time and it is a bit mad when they are so clearly central to the story that they kind of aren't in the credits. Like it's just a bit it's just bizarre. If I had to guess, it will get a fourth season, I think, or a fifth season, fifth yeah, season, fifth, yeah. because because four has just been such a success for them. Mm-hmm. And I know Peacock never gives away streaming numbers, but I, I know a lot of people who have come into this franchise for the first time um, and are paying attention to it. So mm-hmm. it just seems like an easy win for them to come back for a season five. And if I had to guess, they listen to fan chatter. You know, Larsa was a great hook for a lot of people because she is Kardashian adjacent or was for mm-hmm. many a year, was married to Scottie Pippen, was on the original cast. So the relationships are there. I understand fully why, you know, the this is the talent booker in me jumping out. I understand why Larsa is sort of like an offer only gal where it's like, <laughs> I'm yeah, not coming they, on. As it a- was offer only, babe. I didn't audition. No, it was offer For only. me, it's very like, I, I think in a dream world, they probably would have demoted her to a friend, but I'm sure contractually to get her, they had to agree up front to make her a full-time housewife. And I understand that the sort of promotional appeal of having Larsa was good enough, no matter how much she delivered or not. Um, I would not be surprised if she does not come back for the next season or, or is demoted or if they try to demote her and she says no. Uh, and they do upgrade Marisol and Adriana. And I wouldn't be shocked if all of the newcomers come back too, because like you said, I'm loving them. I think yeah. they bring really interesting, fresh, different perspectives to the show. I'd say Julia first and foremost, um, not only because she's the first, you know, out openly queer housewife in, in her first season. I know obviously we got into the Bronwyn stuff later on, but Julia joined as a, as a queer woman, yeah. um, which is fascinating. I just find her so interesting. She is not confrontational. She's not loud or boisterous in the way that we think, I think a lot of our favorite housewives are. She's not necessarily like giving you snappy one-liners and confessionals like a lot of our other favorite housewives are but there's something really like warm and stabilizing about her that I find really compelling television I love watching her she has sort of this lovely life this insane car these crazy houses and seems like she is the type of woman who wouldn't want to do this show but is having a blast doing it like like she has stumbled into something that is a surprising source of joy for her um I also just think like you said, a lot of these women are done. Again, no judgment. She is naturally yeah. so beautiful to look at. I just like watching her on camera. I think she's so magnetic. Yeah, there is a fun contrast of her, like, you know, wiping her tears with a slice of kale in her with like home farm, in her home farm garden. And she's clearly like one of those naturally beautiful people contrasted with like someone who's very done and in a very lavish mansion in a high, in, you know, like a mini skirt or something, which I'm like, you know what? I would like both on my screen. I don't think it has to be either or. <laughs> Truly, I don't. Like, I think there's room for women to do whatever on television, but it is a fun... I think that study and contrast is what makes it work. I mean, Laris is funny in that, like, in a way, it does feel like she doesn't have as much going on. But then, much like the Kardashians, that sort of slightly blank walking around your mega mansion selling feet pics <laughs> on, on OnlyFans. Like, there's something about that kind of... It is very, like someone was saying to me, it's like very much like the shows you see on E, on, on TV, like they are mm. very like that slightly more sedate, like 
it's just pretty people doing mundane things and every so often something a bit kind of unexpected like OnlyFans enters the mix so we'll see I mean I just find her schooling the women on how to take foot pics and stuff really kind of the kind of comedy you can't write I have a question for you what do you think about Gertie she's the one housewife we've not talked about out of this bunch and then I do want to swing back to Alexia real briefly because I could talk about her for an hour but Gertie I I find her you know among people I've been talking to who are watching the show to be the most polarizing of the new additions I actually really like her I also feel like no one is pointing out that her I don't know it's a husband or partner or whatever is really hot like let's just smoking hot and also, isn't he a firefighter? Which, like, oh, girl, yeah. girl. Throw me off your arms. Let me out of here. I like Gertie. I mean, I, I, I think maybe she hasn't quite landed on what her actual arc is on the show. And I do, I find it slightly, it's slightly straining credibility, this idea that her and Alexia are planning this event. Because I really get the impression she's not actually planning that wedding, but she does have a legit events business. So I don't know why they're trying to hook it on that. It feels a bit heavy handed. I like her. I like that she's kind of got her ho- She clearly has her own life and her own things going on. So it's just a matter of seeing what unfolds. But I appreciate that she's kind of, you know, she's outspoken and she's not afraid to kind of go in a direction the other women don't because you do need those kind of lightning rod people. So we were mentioning the contrast of, I think this show is well cast. It is a mix of people. And that's probably why they've got established people as friends of, because they know that it's about the mix of old and new. I, the other person I am dying for the show to touch down on a little bit more, because I find her also every time she walks on screen, even though we know not a lick of information about her is Kiki. Yeah. She's gorgeous and like fun, but I'm like, who is Kiki? <laughs> she's she is an official friend of, right? I'm not making that up. Like I, I, I think she's been designated officially a friend of, but I, have we seen a confessional from her? I don't know. I feel like I want to say we have, but then I feel like I'll finish. But what would she have said? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless they filmed them and didn't use them. I mean, who knows? Like sometimes at these friend off characters, they feature at the start of the season or they suddenly become prominent at the tail end. So like, <laughs> cough, with the cough, way, Angie, cough, cough. Yeah, the way Miami has gone, I'm like, it's very unpredictable. So I'm like, anything could happen. I just, uh, she's another one that I I love to watch. I, every time she strides on with her giant long legs, I'm like, oh, supermodel, glamour, elegance, beauty. She had that ridiculous conversation in that like first party that Larsa had at the house about, <laughs> I don't even remember, but it was that silly little fight with maybe it was Mari Soul. Yeah, Mari Soul was like, that's not how we do this. Like I've, I've <laughs> been on the show. I don't need you to instigate a weird fake fight with me, but much love. I thought that was funny. So good. So good. I the I will say the one thing week after week that keeps me glued to my couch, as we mentioned at the beginning, is the Alexia of it all. I will say to those of you who are listening who have not picked up Miami yet, whether it's because you didn't watch seasons one through three and feel like you can't jump in on four or maybe, you know, as a city and a franchise, it's not as interesting to you. You wonder what is there there. There is one housewife. Her name is Alexia. She is delivering <laughs> The storylines of the century, like the way that the Jen Shaw stuff is dominating, the way that the Erica Jane stuff is dominating. I'm like, in a just world, we would all be talking about the storylines of Alexia with the same sort of hushed reverence and shock. The 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 way that the media has picked up those other two because she's giving you my dead husband turned out to be gay and I'm meeting <laughs> with his ex lover years later so I can close that chapter my new husband hates or my soon to be new husband hates my eldest son who uh, is a was just recently arrested for domestic violence <laughs> um, like 
my wedding is falling apart by the seams every single episode. We think we have it back on track and then the venue drops out or the date changes. I know also tragically her mom passes the day that she was supposed to have oh the God. wedding. A lot the first of time stuff around. happens to this woman. Like it's, and it's not, it feels like it would happen anyway in the sense that like you don't get the sense that she's hamming this up for the show. It's just the exactly timing that. is like bizarre. I mean, there was a scene in a recent episode where, I mean, they're married now. So I guess her husband and her two sons were happy. Well, I think her youngest son actually, from what they said, wasn't really on camera for most of it. He just kind of came in at the end. But like yes. this ongoing conversation about the best way to look after the younger son because of issues that he has. And, you know, the dynamic with the older son and trying to look after him. But he's also, as we know then and now, has definitely done stuff that is, you know, not great. And it's clear that Alexia is trying to look after her two adult sons who still need mothering in very specific ways and is dealing with you know soon to be husband who has a very specific point of view and the scene was very raw but also there were things being said on either side that actually sort of made sense it wasn't just because we get a lot of dickhead partners on housewives where you yes go, yes leave him girl drop him dump him he's trash and then this scene some of the stuff he said i didn't like but i also was like oh it's not as black and white here and we're seeing eight minutes of a two-hour conversation and she can't just get up and walk away, but she can also let him railroad the conversation. Like it was truly of all things I've ever seen on reality TV, it was one of the most raw. And I, I think we're all very wise to stuff that isn't anymore. So I was very struck by the just where it went. It was like just explosive and not in a fake, flashy way. Like this is clearly something that really happens in this person's life, and she had just happened to be sharing with us you know on the show yeah the way that i have summed it up to two people as succinctly as i can is alexia is giving you i think shot for shot the realist real housewife storylines we've seen in in quite some time stuff that you 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 nailed it perfectly it doesn't feel contrived it feels like it would be happening whether the cameras were there or not and i think that is really to me translating into some just like deeply compelling reality television um that is sort of transcendent I, I i find it i find it fascinating i think it is like a deeply interesting study of this group of friends and this one woman in particular and i also think it's a great case study for bravo to continue adding non-white housewives to the mix non you know traditional quote-unquote housewives to the mix because there's a bit of i think cynicism in some quarters about diversity on television some of which i think is just worrying that it's tokenistic and some of it is just people being like assholes but like this is an example of you can find people from all walks of life who will deliver a absolutely what is great television but also perspectives that we haven't had before and actually that is ultimately a win on every on every level it's generally i'm like everybody's a winner and that's in that scenario Completely. And the thing about Miami that I am also loving is the way that these friendships, like I said, with some of the other cities, you can tell that they're contrived a little bit. I think yeah. a lot of these women are friends off camera, like really yeah. genuinely, like especially because it was off the air for whatever it was, eight years, and they all held out hope and they all thought that it was going to come back and they maintain their friendships. And I, like, I find it truly fascinating when Alexia and Marisol are just sitting on the couch talking in Spanish together because I'm like, this is just two, like, two gal pals catching up. Yeah. Whether the cameras were there or not, this conversation would be happening. And sure, sometimes they're switching into English because that's what, you know, an American, quote unquote, an English speaking network wants people to show on camera. But like, I love just watching the two of them just like shoot the shit in Spanish for a few minutes yeah. at a time because it feels so real and 
and natural and delightful and doesn't feel like coworker X and coworker Z have had to get together for a meeting today. This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, which is the home of the Housewives. Every season and every episode of all of the Real Housewives is available to stream or download right now on Hey You. And it is the only place you will get new episodes the same day as the US. No spoilers here because we are getting stuck straight in thanks to Hey You. You can start a free trial now at HeyU.com. And after that, it's only $5.99 per month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. And there's no commitments. You can cancel whenever you want. Everything you could need housewives-wise is on Hey You. Um, let's talk about a show that's back soon. I think by the time this airs, it'll be a little closer to being on our screens, but you have been lucky enough to catch the premiere of Housewives of New Jersey, the new season. I know, obviously, you probably can't give away too much, and I don't want you to ruin it for us, but from having seen the premiere, maybe anything you've heard, what did you make of it? What's your vibe for New Jersey going forward? That's a great question. I Yes, I have seen the premiere. Um, I am lucky enough. Please, Bravo, don't don't change this. I'm on their distro list for screeners still. Um, so I, I get I get premieres, and then sometimes I get other episodes afterwards. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> the one the one the one that I'm getting regular. You know, this airs tomorrow, but here's a screener is Vanderpump Rules, and I'm like, I don't really need this. But thank you. <laughs> um, like, I'm good, love. I'm good. <laughs> exactly. Uh, with with Ranj, uh, a subdued premiere that is still filled with some interesting threads that will tell you where the season is going, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Okay. Um, not subdued in a bad way either. Um, I kind of appreciate a premiere that is not like six months early. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I like <laughs> I like there being a little bit of intrigue about what the season is to hold as opposed to you having all the cards laid out in front of you for the whole season. I think, I think there's something to be told about the storytelling of just telling things sequentially. Um, a big bravo trope to jump forward and then jump backwards and show you how you got there and it does not seem like new jersey is doing that this season based off the premiere um my biggest takeaways uh without spoiling anything is that obviously Teresa and louis will be a big storyline this season both in terms of their love and their relationship being shown on camera for the first real tangible time i know we got one episode of him that was filmed for the most recent season like a month or two after cameras went down because they were like, well, we need to integrate this uh, to the show because everybody's talking about it. So we get real Louis scenes this season, which I think is exciting for tree huggers. Um, <laughs> but I also, as the trailer suggests, and then the first episode certainly suggests there's a lot of discord among the women about his, his role in her life and him sweeping her up and away and his intentions again, nobody knows the truth of it all, but I think there's a lot of questioning that goes on about it. That seems really interesting because we have not seen Teresa activated like that in a while. I think she's had a couple of pretty good seasons, give or take a, you know, encouraging Beverly to yank the hair of Miss Margaret Joseph. Not Beverly, um, not you just calling Danielle <laughs> Beverly without even missing a beat. If Danielle Staub was here, she would reach through the virtual screen and throw She'd yank my us. hair. Beverly? <laughs> Beverly? <laughs> I, I will say the first episode that I that I was able to see, I was like, it, it was good to see Teresa awake. Yeah. Is what yeah, I will yeah. say. She's not asleep at the wheel anymore. Yeah, it's nice to see her, especially coming because this is, I believe, the first season that we are seeing. Uh, 
of a cast member who filmed after Girls Trip, Ultimate Girls Trip, because OC filmed after Ultimate Girls Trip, but they didn't go. Salt Lake City filmed after Ultimate Girls, but they didn't go. So I think OC is the uh, OC. Uh, Ranj is the first post Girls Trip that we are seeing. Um, so that is very interesting because she has obviously had a lot of time to reckon with her legacy and sort of had that time to not repair her relationship with Melissa, but give us like a real fun girly sister-in-law sense of how they are together. And it's going to be interesting to see how the season plays out thereafter. I will say, if you watch Girls Trip, you know, she said, this is the most fun I've ever had filming. I don't enjoy filming my own show. Uh, My sense after watching the premiere is she probably was like, I am not enjoying this. I mean, it's not, not Teresa to a T. Um, I wanted to ask you about something that you did last year that I was obsessed with. I mean, Kyle Richards had a really interesting 2021 because obviously a big season of Beverly Hills, which she had a, a part in Halloween Kills that we now know has led to a part in the follow-up Halloween Ends, which is due out later this year. She did a Housewives Christmas movie that dropped, um, obviously, for Christmas last year. Like She just had this moment in pop culture where I felt like her career was really taking off and something that helped underline that for people was a profile that you wrote about her for the cut which is part of new york magazine um what was it like putting that piece together and uh, and seeing i guess the kyle kyle assance the kyle richards assance renaissance <laughs> whatever happen before your very journalistic eyes i will say i as a as a freelancer my instinct is often i have a story idea let me pitch it quickly like I the turnaround is usually very fast in terms of me having an idea and wanting to get it out there because if I am enthusiastic about it in the moment I'd like to sort of like keep that energy up Kyle was one as a pitch that I had been baking for months probably pre-girls trip like beginning of the year once I did Bronwyn I think I was like okay I think I'm ready to do another housewife of a different variety and have it not be so much about like the bravo of it all I'd like to just profile a housewife and Kyle is someone who I have always been quite fond of, was maybe never like my top tier housewife, but like just a staple of of the Bravo Cinematic Universe. And I, like you, noticed all of these projects that she had lined up and was just like, oh, this is this is the Renaissance. This is the moment. And she is one of the very few OGs from her first ever season that is still remaining on this network. And I I get the sense we'll be there until it is her decision to leave. I think Andy loves her deeply. And as long as she continues to deliver the way that she is, I I have a hard time believing they'll ever do anything about it. Um, And it was just like, I want to know what makes her tick. Like, I want to get behind the hood. She's obviously put a lot out there on Housewives, but you know better than anyone, Housewives flattens women out because we, we only get eight minutes of them an episode, if that. And they can only show so much of themselves. And she has this deeply weird, interesting, naughty, tangled Hollywood career with her sisters and her mother. And there's just all of this like intrigue and drama and, and I'm putting the label on it, but like childhood drama that she's experienced as a you know child actor. I think it's probably hard for anyone under 18 to be thrust into the world of movies and TV. So anyway, I pitched it to the cut and, and, sort of kept after it for a while. And when it became pretty clear that she was in fact having a glow up in a moment, they commissioned me to do it. And we got to spend a couple of hours together in New York. She was here doing Watch What Happens Live. So mm-hmm. I got to see her at her hotel in the city for a couple of hours. And she is more than I think 
any other housewife I would imagine exactly the way that she is on camera. Ex- to, to a T, she sort of like stormed into the room uh, and was like immediately talking to her publicist, like I have to do this and that and that. And, and I just, yeah, I was like, oh, oh, we're on, we're on, we're on. We're, it's mm-hmm. immediately, she has just flipped to on. Um, but in a way that I found like really generous and warm, we talked for two hours. She was willing to go as deep as I wanted to go, which was quite deep with her. Yeah. Um, she is dishy in the way that afterwards they had to be like, please don't put that in the article. <laughs> yes. Uh, because she, she, she spilled a lot of stuff about like women she worked with and what her experience on the show was <gasps> and, and talked a lot about like, the future and what it would look like for her to remain on the show and how many times she's come close to the brink of walking away. A lot of this, by the way, did make it into the article. Yeah. There were just a few, a few choice admissions that she was like, actually, I want to back that one up. And I was like, it's fine. It's not germane to the larger story. It's just some interesting gossip that I will cherish forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and also for that story, I got to talk to, uh, Jimmy Lee Curtis and Andy Cohen and even Kathy Hilton, whose phone number I now have stored in my phone <gasps> and, and and will forever because she called me directly. I was like, well, I'm going to keep this. Uh, and it just, the reception was lovely because I think as you know, and as viewers and listeners of this show know, she is an open book and was an open book with me. And I just found her fascinating. And uh, the story came out, this is the, the little fun bit. The story came out and all of her daughters shared it on Instagram yes, and I like saw that I saw that tagging me and messaging me and so I have like DMs from Alexia and Farah oh. being like you got our mom so perfectly like I'm gonna print this and frame this for her I just was like so <laughs> when they were like I'm gonna print this you're like I'll send you the print edition that's fine <laughs> like that's print media still exists <laughs> I was like oh god they don't know about magazines uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that I was thinking, I'm re saying that they're gonna print I was like they will send the print edition <laughs> let's get a few <laughs> let's get a few hard copies sold here <laughs> It just, it just, you know, she is exactly as you expect her to yeah. be and was giving and wonderful and sort of, we've stayed a little bit in touch uh, ever since then, which has been a, a dream. Like every time I hear from her, I just, I'm like, I, I turn to Nolan and I show him my phone and I'm like, hello, <laughs> I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> so you're uh, going to be a friend of, we're, we're going to have a cameo in the new season. I can tell she'd be like, oh, I God have to willing. go to New York to meet my friend Brandon and you'll be having like <laughs> drinks or something. God willing, you know, God opens the door and then I stick my foot in it and I refuse to let it close is sort of my my instinct as a freelancer. <laughs> what was interesting about that piece, I think, too, obviously was you got access to Kyle for an extended period of time and people, like you mentioned, Kathy and Jamie Lee and, and even Andy, you know, who knows her quite well from a work perspective. That piece really showed the sort of shift in how people talk about housewives and the sort of fact that it's less of a stigma for people who do the show for other things they want to do in entertainment like it seemed that like actually her having you know over a million viewers a week and a healthy social media following was now very attractive to film studios and other yes. streaming services whereas five years ago i think studios would have been like we don't want a reality star in our you know blockbuster horror film was now obviously with halloween there's a particular connection with kyle in that story but that it's actually added value and it was integrated into housewives in a hilarious way particularly at the reunion but like that actually sort of you know there is less snobbery about reality tv and certainly the it to me it was a comment on how fame and what is acceptable in certain circles has shifted completely i my intent with the piece was twofold a i wanted to profile this woman that i found deeply interesting. a you wanted Ooh. to meet her <laughs> a i just a. wanted to kiki with her for two hours 
but B, I, the, the way that I pitched it was sort of like, let it, it's time we start taking this, like you have with the podcast, this franchise seriously. It's a big deal. It gets the us weekly pickup. It gets the TMZ pickup. It gets the people pickup, you know, p- people like Dave Quinn, who you just had on in a brilliant episode are writing books about it. Like there's, there's a reason that we need to be paying attention to these women that we can't just write them off as quote unquote reality TV stars. There's so much more than that. And even if they are just on reality television, that doesn't discount the, the sort of work that they're doing there. And I think we need to pay it serious mind instead of like lighthearted, fluffy stuff. Let's actually dig deep and get under the hood and figure out what mm-hmm. makes her tick and why she's succeeding. And beautifully the way the story transpired was like you said, she was very willing to admit openly and honestly a lot of trepidation about doing reality TV in the first place because she had gone through a few years of sort of being the family spokesman after The Simple Life because they, yeah. you know, outlets would come to her when the Hiltons didn't want to talk and they the Hiltons sort of, gave, it seemed like the, the family gave her carte blanche to be the spokesperson um, for whatever might come their way. And she was a little hesitant about it and didn't really love that role and didn't like speaking for all of them, didn't like opening her personal life up, but was like, also roles are drying up for me right now. And I've had, you know, these four wonderful daughters and are growing up now. And I'm at an age where I can afford to have a little me time and sort of like dig back into what a career looks like for me. And maybe this is what it is right now. And I, you know, I don't want to speak for her, but my impression was she didn't think it would last this long, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it has. And like you said, beautifully and brilliantly, she has been able to leverage it and, and make a real, second act out of a career out of it and and that is in acting that is in writing and producing that is in i think you know like she really wants the door to be kicked open to all things kyle richards cinematic universe i think like the halloween thing in particular is a really interesting one she didn't get cast in that sequel she forced herself to get cast yeah, in that I sequel. Heard, she basically at the red carpet for the 2018 yes. thing was like why am i why why wasn't i cast and the producers were like actually that's a good point like why yeah. were you in this so yeah completely like she is not only um reality tv famous she is also working those connections and leveraging and and, and pushing her own foot in the door in a way that i found really inspiring and and was just like damn this is a this is a great woman. This is tied to your current job, and but you are working on Service 95, which is a new publication that the one and only Dua Lipa is spearheading. It's going to be yes. culture and podcasting with Global Outpost, and she's going to head on tour and, and send us dispatches from the road, which I'm very excited to hear and find out more about. But I have to wonder, and I know there's sort of a tangential connection with Dua's personal life to elements of Housewives, but just... <laughs> As a person who is a young woman who likes pop culture, do we know if Dua Lipa is into Housewives? Would be open? Do you think you could get her to binge some? Like, where are we on Dua's Housewives journey? Do we know? It is my New Year's resolution to get this young woman into Housewives. <laughs> uh, where, I, from my understanding, we are not there yet. Okay, um, I'm sad to hear. Part of the anyway. part of the fun of this Service ninety five project is that she is really plugged into culture at large not just culture in london or culture in new york like she really her her radar is pretty big and she she pays a lot of attention and real deep meaningful attention to um anything from pop culture to travel to food and dining to these you know really important causes that are near and dear to her heart and um because of that i think a lot of the lighter hearted stuff falls off the radar right now 
Though mm. I am hoping to get her to watch some of it on tour when she is on her bus or yeah. whatever. Yeah, because I know because... at least one person in her inner circle who watches some of the shows. I'd have that on good authority. So yeah, I'm I, like, I, let me. I think we can we can chip away. I think we can chip <laughs> yeah, away. I think we can make this um, happen. <laughs> The the really wonderful thing I have loved about, you know, I, I've interviewed her over the years and I've gotten to work directly with her on this project since last summer is that she is really open to feedback and suggestions about this is what I'm paying attention to. This is what I'm consuming. So I'm hoping we can get there. It would be a dream come true. <laughs> I love as well how you basically said like, Do has got great taste, is knowledgeable in a number of areas. And we're like, <laughs> and we're hoping we can get her to engage and possibly- Bring her right down to the gutter. Lowbrow reality television when she's probably like, yeah, I have this activist thing at 12 and I'm going to go and, and check out this new restaurant. And we're like, you need to watch Hands Lies. <laughs> we're like, no, pull it back. <laughs> I'm like, listen, it's great and warm down here in the gutter. Please join us. We, we did this the last time you're here, but I'm, I'm curious if we're going to get a 2022 upgrade on this one. Um, if you yep. were going to be on Housewives, what would your tagline be? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, I have thought about this a lot in the lead up to today's episode. And I think the one that I have landed on is, <laughs> and I'm, I am going to be shameless about the way that I plug my current job situation. Okay. Um, I may be of service to others, but first and foremost, myself. Oh, I like that. I mean, like, <laughs> your season-long arc is what a big deal Service 95 is, but also how, <laughs> how you have to have, like, time for yourself. Like, I think that would be very relatable. That's the 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 housewife's arc for me this season is. I've got <laughs> okay. this great project and also, like, look at the look at the glow up. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll, we'll pitch that to the network. Um, <laughs> let's also go for a 2022 update on this one. It's the dinner party question. Five people from Housewives Universe, be they cast members, friends of, hangers on, husbands, whoever. What five are coming around your dinner table in 2022 and why? Okay, I've thought about this too, and I'm going to try and restrict it to people who are currently on the air. You're like because... Ale- Alexia times five. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, sitting at the head of the table is Alexia. <laughs> okay, because <for> real. <laughs> y- y- no matter what comes out of that dinner, you know a storyline will emerge. Um, Heather because I am loving her this season. Uh, I have always loved her. I think she's revitalized OC. And I also just, I'm like, if we're going out to dinner with Heather, it's going to be expensive. So great. Um, Carl Radke, who was at my table the first time. Okay, Summer House vibes. He remains at my table this time because when we were talking a year ago, he was newly sober and we didn't really know the extent of what sobriety looked like. Um, the first episode aired this week. I know it's not in the Housewives canon, but Summer House really is just a joy. He is, uh, I think by the time they started filming, six months sober. He looks wow. better than ever. Truly just oh, like... Oh yeah, he is hot. I mean, I know that much. I mean, I, I may not watch Summer House, but I'm not. I'm aware of what these people look like. <laughs> just like, a, uh, just clock that they're hot. Okay. <laughs> beautiful man. Um, and seems like if you're watching this season so far, warm and with it and caring and open and honest. And I just am like that. Okay, Andy said you, it on Watch You are engaged. <laughs> you are engaged to someone else. I just want to, I don't know if y'all are open or whatever, but... <laughs> I just like to give flowers to cisgender heterosexual men. I'm so excited to settle down. Oh, wait, sorry. (laughs) I just think the dearth of woke straight men on Bravo is noticeable. So it's nice when someone like Carl comes along and gives you renewed faith in in the species. You mentioned something about Andy Cohn, sorry, because I cut you off there. Yeah, Andy was on Watch What Happens Live this week talking to Carl and Kyle and... 
basically was like, it's funny how you have gone from an alcoholic, basically he was, he was an alcoholic idiot who was treating women, not great uh, because he wasn't happy with himself to sort of like the voice of reason on this network. And uh, that's why he gets a seat at the table. That's number (laughs) number three. Uh, Marisol. Yes. Scene number four, because just a delight. Her confessionals alone. Is she pushing any storyline forward? No. Is she so much she's fun so to watch? Fun. Yeah, I really like her. I think she's giving the best one-liners out of everyone on that show. And, and the straw. She always has her drink in her straw. And she's like, <laughs> well, which means she will be great at dinner. You'd have to give her a nice little metal straw for whatever drink she had, just so you could get some straw work from Marcel. And then I think fifth seat at the table, and we may have even talked about her last time, uh, Marlo Hampton, who has since yes. gotten her peach. Yes. Um, she she got a peach. Now she deserves a seat at the table. She always has deserved that seat. Mm-hmm. Okay, I love that. Very eclectic. Um, I know you kind of watch everything, but... Is there something that's next in your housewife's journey or something you'd like to go back and revisit? We are, I'll tell you right now, we are in the OC rewatch, like I mentioned, and exactly yes. where we are, the episode we watched last night was the first inkling of, does Brooks really have cancer? Uh, so that is where we are in our rewatch right now in that the rocket ship is about to just fucking take off. Um, and it's a delight watching it through somebody else's eyes who knew the storyline new peripherally because you know we've been dating i think when it was on the air so he was aware <laughs> you're like so it of course came up <laughs> <laughs> but he hasn't seen it play out so to watch him watch it has been uh just absolutely fascinating and then the other thing is and we talked about this a little off air when we were catching up via email before this is mm-hmm. i'm working my way through the porsche spinoff i don't yeah love the it's porsche spinoff amazing but it's i haven't watched the finale as we're talking but i thought the episode before where they broke the fourth wall was actually really interesting and i okay people are like porsche's over but i'm like you know she will bounce back from this because they all bounce back from these moments but also it's funny just it's fun and interesting to see the other side of porsche even when it's not so great you know like it does it has had more of a payoff than i thought it would you know it's an it's an interesting show it's not an amazing one but it has been interesting it's just interesting to see Dennis become like the main pop girl of the series. Yeah, I know. Like the way Dennis is low key actually quite likable is when when her new guy is not is just so fascinating. Even though Dennis is some shady stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's wild. We are preconditioned to really yeah. dislike Dennis for the way that he treated Portia and their relationship. And you walk away at least I'm two or three episodes in, yeah. feeling pretty good about Dennis. Yeah, I was like, oh, there, there's worse guys. <laughs> there are worse it, guys. Very <laughs> clearly. Okay, well, that's interesting. And before we go, in terms of social media, where can we find you? And I think this actually might come out just before Service 95 is with us, but where can we check that out or or what's the launch date for that? Yeah, so I am just at Brennan Carly on Twitter and Instagram, so you can find me there. Uh, Service 95 is on Instagram at Service 95. It launches, the first newsletter launches on February 3rd. The podcast launches on the 4th. So they will be thereafter a newsletter uh, every week. And then the day after will be a podcast episode. Um, So you can go to www.service95.com now to subscribe to make sure you get that first newsletter in your inbox. It's like I said, not to be too pluggy and promotional, but we, we really have been working hard on it since June and we are so excited. We've got the first like five or six issues plotted out fully now. Ooh. And um, it's also being translated into 10 different languages. So if English is not your wow. native language, we are here for you and we will be listening. Like, please, if you if English is not your first language and we're not translating it into your preferred language, 
uh, drop us an email or pop into the comments. We are paying attention to those sorts wow, of things. Wow, that's so interesting. The, the whole ambition of it is to make it a global thing. Her fans are all over the world and why not reach them? So if you're out there and you want to hear from us and we're not achieving it, please let us know. Um, she's she's taped uh, probably half the season so far of the podcast. Uh, it's the guests are insane. They're mind blowing. And, and sitting in on some of the sessions have just been, it's going to be great. That's, I'm, you're I'm like the first it. guest, Marisol Patton. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. My, what she a, was like, what I a, don't really know these. Uh, Alexia, she just, it's, it's a great interview. Just trust me. Just trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you for letting me plug it. I do. I am very passionate about it in yeah. a way that I have not been passionate about a job before. So I, I am so excited for people to get a, a glimpse of what we and Dua have been working on. I think it's going to be so much fun. No, I'm excited. I mean, look, I know people are a little bit like cynical when they see a celebrity's name, but when I heard you were involved, I was like, oh, guys, I'm, there's a little more quality control here than we're <laughs> than we're allowing ourselves for. So I'm very excited to check it out. And um, Brennan, we have covered a lot of ground in your second time on the show, and I know you're very busy, so I'm thrilled that we we're able to do so. Thank you very much for coming back on Housewives of Me. Thank you so much for having me. It was so much fun. I will do this anytime you email me. That was Brennan Carley here on Housewives and Me returning to chat to us about all things Housewives. You can, of course, sign up for Service 95, which is launching soon. I'll put links to where you can subscribe and find Service 95 in the show notes for this episode. And you can find Brennan on Twitter and Instagram as well. You can also find this show on Twitter and Instagram at Housewives and Me is the social handles for the show. And you can find me, it's Connor Bean, on those platforms as well. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts and you liked what you heard today, please do leave a rating or a review. It really helps the show find new listeners. And now on Spotify, you can rate podcasts as well. So do give us a rating if that's where you listen to the show. New episodes come out every Tuesday as well. So make sure you follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you don't miss a single one. So until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay safe and I'll talk to you soon. This podcast is sponsored by Hey You, the home of the Housewives, with every episode and every season of The Real Housewives available to stream or download. You can head over to heyyou.com and get yourself a free trial. And after that, it is only $5.99 a month, which is like the price of a cup of coffee. Plus, there is no commitment. You can cancel anytime. I know January is duvet day time. You might want to take one of those for yourself just to get, you know, into the swing of things in the new year. Don't worry. Hey You has you covered. On Mondays, you will get new episodes of The Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. Thursdays, the OGs of the OC, Real Housewives of Orange County, is back. And on Fridays, we will turn the heat up even in January with the return of The Real Housewives of Miami. That is a really stellar lineup of our faves. I think we have plenty to look forward to, even in January. That is the power of Hey You. So head over to heyyou.com now and try it out for free.